Welcome to Misty 101 podcast. We hope that you enjoy this episode of our podcast. Government staff work in corridors over desks shortage. Staff at the Department for Education, DFE, have found themselves working in the corridor after there were twice as many employees as available desks on the return to the office. As first reported by the website Schools Week, DFE staff had to sit in canteens or corridors after the government ordered employees back to work. Across the DFE's 12 offices, staff outnumber desks by nearly 2 to 1 and in Leeds there are 24 desks for 110 staff, despite bosses stating that people should work at the office for at least 80% of the week. Education Secretary Nadim Zawi said in April that he had told his team to return to pre-pandemic work arrangements in offices after figures showed just a quarter of staff were going in. Permanent Secretary Susan Aikland who'd later told staff to work 80% of their week in the office, Schools Week reported. However, there are also fewer desks to go around with figures released this week showing that the DFE now has 4,200 desks across its 12 offices, but 8,009 full-time staff. The news has led to Jacob Rees-Mogg, who placed post-it notes on the desks of colleagues who were working from home, to be labelled a bully by the civil service union leader. PC's General Secretary Mark Sawoka said his post-it note stunt has been exposed for what it is an unprofessional and unfair political attack on our members. He said, to try to shame them back into the office when they have been working hard and successfully at home throughout the pandemic is bad enough. But, when there aren't enough desks when it's not physically possible looks like the action of a bully. Schools Week reported that some staff were sent home from the DFE's Sheffield office, with some meetings held over Zoom because meeting rooms were full. A government spokesperson said, Ministers have been clear that departments should make maximum use of office space and progress is being monitored. The government said that hybrid working was not new practice for the department and did not stop offices being used at full capacity with hybrid work arrangements in place prior to the pandemic. The government added that full occupancy in its offices did not mean that each civil servant had a designated desk and that hot desking was common in both the private and public sector. My neighbor's dog keeps jumping up our fence and it's going to knock it down, can we make them pay for the damage? In lockdown, our neighbors took ownership of a very lively dog. When I'm playing out in the garden with my toddler, it becomes overexcited and starts jumping up the fence with force. The fence is fairly old, and came with the property when we bought it nearly a decade ago. It's held up by wooden posts rather than concrete. I'm pretty certain the whole thing will go soon given the force and consistency in which the dog jumps at it. The fence is on the right-hand side. I've checked the details, and know that means it is our responsibility. However, I'm pretty certain the fence would be fine for another few years, if it wasn't for the dog. If it comes down soon, can I argue that the neighbors need to pay for it, or at the very least, insist they foot half the bill? Via email.
Ed Magnus of This Is Money replies, You are not the first person to come to us with a garden fence dilemma, and you almost certainly won't be the last. After all, if an Englishman's home is to be his castle, then a fence must be his first line of defense. Replacing a fence can be an expensive endeavor and, like so many things, the cost has soared amidst rampant inflation. The cost of the average fencing job has risen by 26% year-on-year, according to the Tradesman Directory, Checker Trade. Although you don't mention the height and length of all your fence, you seem convinced that the whole thing will need replacing. The average cost of a fencing panel is £45 according to Directory Checker Trade, although this can range from £30 to £70 depending on the type of panel used. Each fence post will typically set you back £25 and 50 pence, although this can also range between £15 and £35 per post. Say our reader needed six panels and seven posts, that would cost £429. But, unless he is particularly handy, he will also need pay for someone to install the fence. How to check if a fence is your responsibility? Check any copies of the title deeds or obtain an official copy of the title plan from the land registry. These may reveal the extent of any boundary lines and also covenants setting out who is responsible for the upkeep of a boundary fence. If there are T marks on the boundary line, this can show who is liable for the upkeep if there is a T mark on both sides of the boundary line. This indicates a party boundary with upkeep being a joint responsibility. If we work on the basis of it being a 36-foot-long fence, then installation would typically cost £1,780, according to Checker Trade. Altogether our reader could therefore be facing a bill of more than £2,200 for labour and materials. There are other added costs to consider too as disposing of the old fence and cutting back trees and bushes may also be required. Our reader says he has checked the paperwork and already knows that the stretch of fence in question is his responsibility. If the neighbor's dog is indeed causing damage to the fence then it seems only fair and reasonable for them to contribute towards any repair or replacement. However, not everyone likes being fair and reasonable particularly when money is at stake. If you are sure that the fence is owned by you and therefore your responsibility to maintain, then any damage by the neighbor's dog may give rise to a claim for damage to your property. However, before it gets to that point, I would suggest trying to speak to your neighbor to put them on notice and see if they will take steps to limit or stop the continued damage. Remember that you have to live next to them day in and day out and if you fall out over a fence, it could ruin your neighborly relations. Also, in the long term, if there are outstanding disputes with your neighbor, you may need to disclose this as part of the questions asked by potential buyers and so this could have an adverse effect on a future sale. The ownership and responsibility for the repair of the fence is a red herring in this case. If it can be proved that the damage to the fence has been caused by the dog, and also proved that the state and condition of the fence was satisfactory before the dog jumped up at it with force the owner of the dog should pick up the cost of repair. 
The owner of the fence is not responsible for the cost of this repair. The Boundary Disputes Mediation Service has been set up by the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors and the Property Litigation Association to help neighbours resolve disputes about boundary lines and related issues. It provides a quicker, cheaper and more informal approach than litigation, while helping neighbours to deal with issues that are at the heart of their dispute in a positive and proactive way. If legal action really is unavoidable you will need to provide evidence of how the damage was caused by the neighbor's dog and the costs of the repair that was caused by the damage. It may be that not all the costs can be recovered if the fence is already very old and would have needed replacement at some point. As with any legal case, evidence will be key, so photos or video footage of the fence before the dog was on the scene would be useful. Likewise. Evidence of how the dog interacts with the fence would support an argument that the damage is an outcome of the dog rather than wear and tear or failure by the reader to maintain it. The usual rule is that a dog owner is liable in law for the action of their dog if the dog injures a person or damages property. So, unless a valid defense can offered by the owner here and evidence is available, it would seem the dog owner will have to pay for the fence. This would be a civil claim between the reader and dog owner. To start, I would recommend the reader sends a letter of claim to the neighbor to explain what has happened, produce the evidence and ask for the desired remedy. If the owner of the dog has pet insurance this potential liability may be covered. However, no one pet insurance policy is the same as another so this potential route to funding the cost of the claim may not be available to the dog owner. New MasterCard payment system could see supermarket giants ditch cash or card to pay. Shoppers are being asked to ditch cash and card payments and instead use face or fingerprint recognition at the checkout. A trial is in place to increase shopper security at the tills but some see it as a closer step towards a cashless society and also an infringement on privacy. MasterCard is trialing the biometric payment system that could see shoppers smiling or waving a hand at a scanner to pay for groceries. According to the Manchester Evening News, a customer would be able to scan their face or fingerprint using a supermarket's smartphone app and link their likeness to a bank card. Payments card and mobile website says it would work in a similar way to Apple's facial ID. The Telegraph reports how MasterCard, the payments company, wants to roll the program out worldwide for small and large retailers. Ajabala, the president of cyber and intelligence at MasterCard, was quoted in the Telegraph as saying, the way we pay needs to keep pace with the way we live, work and do business, offering choice to consumers with the highest levels of security. Our goal with this new program is to make shopping a great experience for consumers and merchants alike, providing the best of both security and convenience. A pilot program is currently underway in Brazil at five St. Marsh supermarkets in São Paulo. More trials are also planned for Asia and the Middle East. The biometric facial recognition software would lead to shorter queues, be more hygienic than tapping in a pin, and less vulnerable to fraud linked to credit and debit cards, MasterCard claim. It said, 
No more fumbling for your phone or hunting for your wallet when you have your hands full. The next generation of in-person payments will only need a quick smile or wave of your hand. The trusted technology that uses your face or fingerprint to unlock your phone can now be used to help consumers speed through the checkout. With MasterCard's new biometric checkout program, all you will need is yourself. But previous, privacy experts have warned against the use of biometric data because of the risk of information being hacked or stolen. When Southern Co-op introduced facial recognition to cameras at stores last year, Big Brother Watch director Silky Carlo said, the co-op's growing use of Orwellian facial recognition surveillance abuses customers' rights and must be urgently stopped. The supermarket is adding customers to secret watch lists with no due process, meaning people can be blacklisted and denied the opportunity to do their food shopping despite being innocent. This is a deeply unethical and frankly chilling way for any business to behave. UK being invaded by venomous false widow spiders following recent warm weather. Recent warm weather has resulted in a surge in the number of Britain's only venomous spider, the false widow. Experts have warned members of the public that the species are multiplying as their hibernation ends. The British Arachnological Society says the bite of a false widow is similar to a wasp sting. Symptoms from attacks can reportedly include pain, swelling, nausea, tremors and altered blood pressure. Pest control expert Clive Bors told the Daily Star, the population of false widows in the UK is growing all the time. People don't realise just how common they have become. They can survive both indoors and outdoors. They are generally shy creatures and won't come out into the open but they could crawl into curtains or perhaps clothing left on the floor. Joe Hildebrandt, from Conwy in North Wales, was left with a swollen hand after being bitten by one in his garden. He said, spiders don't scare me but this one did. When I saw it on the floor, it spooked me a bit as it had been on my arm and I know they will only bite when provoked. Michelle Duggan, an expert from the National University of Ireland in Galway, said, in addition to their medically significant venom, noble false widows are extremely competitive. Two decades ago, this species was almost unknown in Ireland, the UK or in continental Europe. One thing is certain, though this species is here to stay, and we must learn how to live with it. Pest controller Rob Simpson urged people to keep homes tidy and hoover regularly to keep the critters at bay. 6,000 landlords start court action against tenants after no-fault notices. Almost 6,000 landlords in England started court proceedings against tenants in the first three months of 2022 after serving them a so-called no-fault eviction notice, figures show. Some 5,890 landlords started accelerated procedure claims between January and March after issuing renters with a Section 21 notice, according to figures published by the Ministry of Justice, Moje, on Thursday. This is up 63% on the previous quarter and 41% compared to the same period in 2020, before the coronavirus pandemic.
Overall, 18,626 eviction claims were made to courts by social and private landlords in the first three months of 2022. This is up 32% from the last three months of 2021, but is down by around a fifth compared to the same period in 2020. When the pandemic hit in 2020, measures were introduced to protect tenants in the private rental system from losing their homes. These included a temporary ban on evictions, which was lifted from May 2021. The Moje said bailiffs are working through the backlog of repossession claims and other action dating back to the beginning of the pandemic, and that numbers are expected to continue rising steadily throughout the year. The government first pledged to scrap no-fault evictions in 2019. Earlier this month in the Queen's speech, it said it will introduce a renter's reform bill to protect private renters and abolish no-fault evictions. Shelter Chief Executive Polly Neat said every minute wasted puts another renter at risk. She said, it's alarming that as the living cost crisis rages more landlords are kicking tenants out of their homes. These are real people whose lives are being turned upside down and simply cannot afford to lose their homes right now. Amira, 47 and her four children are facing homelessness after being served a Section 21 eviction notice. They have been told to leave the home they have lived in for four years in Sussex by the end of June, but Amira is concerned she will not pass tenancy checks due to her credit score. She said, My anxiety is rocketing, and the uncertainty of this situation is affecting my children too. There are so few properties available and my son has to be near his school because of his learning disability. I don't know how we'll find somewhere else in such a small time frame, or how I'll afford it. Matt Downey, chief executive of Crisis, said it is unacceptable that the government is allowing more people to be forced from their homes. He said, while families across the country battle to keep roofs over their heads, government inaction over the spiralling costs of energy, rent and food is causing more and more people to be sucked into this crisis. To prevent unthinkable numbers of people being pushed into homelessness, we urge the government to make good on their pledge to scrap no-fault Section 21 notices as quickly as possible, as well as unfreezing housing benefits so it covers the true cost of renting. More dither and delay will lead to more households being forced into making impossible decisions as their budgets are squeezed to breaking point. A spokesman for the National Residential Landlords Association said, it was inevitable that there would be an increase in cases heard by the courts in both the private and social housing sectors given the backlog following the repossession ban during the pandemic. It is vital that such cases are now heard in a timely fashion and in a way that is fair to both tenants and responsible landlords. Women's petition to ban self-service tills at Tesco hits 100,000 signatures. A pensioner's crusade to stop self-service checkout tills replacing humans at her local Tesco has seen an incredible response. Pat McCarthy, 69 posted a petition entitled Tesco Stop the Replacement of People by Machines on Change.org.
it has a master whopping 107,806 signatures and counting in two weeks. The disgruntled shopper claims the self-service tills at her local megastore are inaccessible with no staff available to support it any customers who may be struggling to use them. Retired Pat, who volunteers helping disabled people and is a trustee of her town's disability network, also says the tills are difficult to use for anyone wanting to use cash. Customers are also faced with long queues to pay for their shopping. While Pat also misses the personal touch of chatting to human staff, especially as she lives alone. Explaining her decision to launch the petition, Pat wrote, People such as carers, older people, disabled people with mobility problems or lifting problems have to queue waiting for more than 30 minutes. I love chatting with the staff, albeit briefly, especially as I'll live on my own. Talking with human staff is important to me. Now that experience has been taken away from me. Pat, from Brentford, also added that the nature self-checkout tills, where customers must unpack, scan and repack each item before going through the payment process, is a physically taxing process, especially for anyone who struggles to lift heavy goods. The pensioner then posed a challenge directly to Ken Murphy chief executive of the supermarket giant, to meet her to discuss his replace people with machines policy. She concluded, I want Ken Murphy to bring staff back to do checkouts on the till and not have a replace people with machines policy. And Pat's pleas have clearly resonated with thousands of others, as they flock to support her petition, with many leaving messages of support. Ray Kaladin said, I refuse to use self-service machines, we need jobs like till operators for those in society who can make ends meet or don't have skills for whatever reason. We should all vote with our wallet and refuse to use them. While Jane Spencer said people shouldn't be losing their jobs for machines and Dawn Thompson echoed Pat's concerns, bring back the cashiers. A bit of space to pack and a little natter. Doctor's surgery forced to close reception over excessive abuse of staff. A GP surgery has shut its front desk to patients after staff were subjected to abuse and intimidation. Oakham Medical Practice in Rutland County made the decision to swap its reception service for a self-check-in screen last week. In a statement posted online, the medical centre which serves more than 15,000 patients according to the Care Quality Commission, said, due to excessive verbal abuse and physical intimidation of our patient services team, the partners have made the decision to close our front desk. Patients with booked appointments can check in using the screen in the foyer. For all other queries, please visit our website. The Local Medical Committee for Leicester Leicestershire and Rutland, LLRLMC, has labelled the decision a very sad, but inevitable consequence of a rise in abuse experienced by general practices during and since the pandemic, which it calls the greatest health crisis in a generation. The committee, which is an elected body representing local GPS, has expressed their support of the decision this week. Dr Nanish Shotei. Chair of the LLRLMC, said, 
GPS understand the frustration of patients who struggle to make appointments with them, but verbal or physical abuse is not an acceptable response. The current situation is due to increased workload whilst the number of GPS has decreased. According to statistics from the British Medical Association, a trade union representing doctors, half of GPS reported facing verbal abuse, one in five have been threatened themselves and 67% have witnessed violence or abuse against other staff over the month of July last year. Dr. Shotei adds, although GPS are providing the highest number of appointments ever recorded, the increased workload due to the pandemic means that we cannot provide the service that our patients want and we would like to provide. Man convinced he spotted a UFO hovering over Newcastle, and it's not the first time. A man claims to have filmed a sparkly UFO which may have also set car alarms off with no explanation. Stephen Wilson, 49 thought he had seen a balloon when he noticed a sparkly thing tumbling through the sky in Westerhope, Newcastle, on Thursday evening. But as Stephen watched for longer, he came to believe it couldn't be a balloon. He said, it moved like a worm, it moved and then it changed, then it moved, then it changed and it looked like it was tumbling all the time. I don't know if we have any drones that look like a balloon that people are flying about, but it didn't look like a drone to me like. Stephen called his sister over and she confirmed she could see it too. Footage shows an object with lights moving erratically quite high in the sky. Stephen said, it started moving quite fast. It stayed at the same height about the height of a helicopter flying around and then it turned and headed off towards the A1. From the minute you see that video, it took roughly about a minute for it travel where it went and away. It wasn't a balloon because a balloon would have went up, I mean, later on I was thinking about if it was a UFO or some sort of experimental drone. Stephen posted his video on the UFO Facebook group and some other UFO enthusiasts linked it to an incident in Gateshead on the same day at roughly the same time where all the car alarms went off. Stephen wondered whether the alleged UFO might have something to do with Russia. He said, I don't know. It wasn't a plane, it wasn't a helicopter, definitely not a balloon because it was flashing. It's not the twinkling of the sun that, you can see it's physically flashing. Stephen believes he has seen a UFO twice before in 2018 and 2020. It comes after Yorkshireman Russ Kellett spoke about his life as an alien super soldier, trained to fight in the ongoing intergalactic war. The 58-year-old from Filey, North Yorkshire believes he has been fighting for a race of 15-foot aliens since he was 28 years old. He also claims he has been abducted no less than 60 times. The U.S. opened a department to investigate UFOs last December under the purview of the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security. Conversely, the UK's Ministry of Defence closed its UFO desk in 2009 and has since revealed it has no plans to reopen any research into the area. Nick Pope, who previously ran the desk, 
said it is baffling how quick Britain is to dismiss the topic. But the mod insists, no UFO report has revealed any evidence of a potential threat to the United Kingdom. People demand clampdown with elderly drivers banned from roads. Drivers over the age of 60 should be slapped with a compulsory driving test as 49% of people want to see elderly drivers banned from all UK roads, a new survey has revealed. The YouGov and CarTakeBack.com study found most people believe older drivers don't have fast enough reaction times to deal with incidents and accidents on UK roads. The majority of people thought the compulsory test retakes should occur between the ages of 71 and 75 with 10% of people calling for all drivers to be banned after the age of 86 and 14% calling for a ban on anyone over 19. A third of younger drivers want compulsory retests for anyone over 60. A spokesperson from road safety charity Brake said, for older drivers, License renewal at 70 prompts them to check and self-certify they are fit to drive but this process can be improved. The government needs to look at how fitness to drive regulation can be more rigorously enforced, such as compulsory eyesight testing throughout a driver's career, rather than simply expecting drivers to self-certify that they are fit to drive. Neil Gregg, IAM Road Smart Director of Policy and Research, said, in reality, new drivers are the most at-risk group and older drivers are among the safest. Statistics do however show that drivers over 85 do start to have more crashes as their faculties fade and their experience is no longer enough to compensate, reports the Express. Older drivers really value their independence and it may be that a tougher testing regime is an acceptable trade-off to allow them to keep driving. A third of drivers said they wouldn't be able to repass their theory test, with one in six saying they wouldn't be capable of repassing their practical driving test. A spokesperson for CompareTheMarket.com said, age and experience were found to play a significant role in driving confidence. When asked how many years of driving experience respondents had when they felt the most confident, the research revealed confidence peaks between one and six years of driving experience and then significantly reduces around seven years. Once a road user reaches 70 years of age, they will need to renew their driving license if they wish to continue driving. Following this, they will need to renew it every three years afterwards. Steve Gooding, director of the IAC Foundation, said. Allowing older drivers to remain mobile is critical to their mental and physical well-being, but so is safety. A system which helps people address their shortcomings rather than simply penalizes them could help maintain this balance. Most older drivers are very safe and self-regulate their driving, avoiding traveling at night or during rush hour, for example. But any encouragement we can all be given to reassess our ability to drive safely should be welcomed, not just after an incident but throughout our driving lives. Pensioner terrified as big cat sneaks into North London home through tiny window. A pension had the life scared out of them when a big cat climbed through a window in his Hampstead home. 
Moses Jerby, 83, was shocked when he heard hissing and discovered the cat had set up camp in his study. Speaking to the mirror, Moses said, the animal was enormous much, much bigger than a domestic cat. I thought, am I imagining this? I was just stepping into the room when it plonked down from the window. He saw me and tried to jump up and get out again but he couldn't. A brave neighbor rushed to help capture the animal, thought to be from the Serval family, but it wriggled free and escaped and it's still roaming free. The pensioner shut the door before the neighbor put a lead on the cat, which is thought to be an escaped pet. Moses added, two days ago, my wife thought she saw it going across the garden. It's obviously still roaming around. The feline was spotted roaming only 1.4 miles from where the beast of Bishop's Avenue was cornered by armed police in 2020. The animal was let go after experts said it was a savannah cat, a cross between a domestic cat and a serval. We hope that you have enjoyed our podcast. We thank you for your support. We hope to see you again next time.